Um, it's great to be with you. I haven't given a talk for quite a while now. We've actually been in Santa Fe for seven years already. Um, the sun is setting right now. There's some beautiful pink clouds outside. Our house has an incredible view of the sunset. And I spend a lot of time watching birds here. I've become a, we have a couple of bird books out and we have uh, binoculars out. So we watch birds quite a bit right out the back window of the house. Um, and you're absolutely right. I've, you know, um, I was so grateful to be introduced to the county jail by um, our former um, administrator at uh, Brand Supporty Small Schools, Kurt Coleman, who was a Vipassana practitioner. And after I retired from teaching, um, he contacted me and, and um, invited me to uh, go to the county jail and do meditation groups with the inmates. And so, I, you know, <laughs> this might sound a little odd, but my teaching career was um, almost entirely with alternative high school students who um, had a lot of them had been in trouble of one kind or another, and a lot of them wanted to drop out of school. And, you know, our main job was to get them to graduate and to um, get them to engage in school. And so, you know, because I had worked with difficult teenagers, I think Kurt Coleman thought that the county jail was the next step. And it certainly was because I saw some of my former students there. And uh, besides them being a little embarrassed, um, they welcomed me with open arms. And I, I felt a lot of gratitude for um, the kind of mileage I had put in in my teaching career, um, meeting so many troubled youth and, um, and trying to help them navigate to graduation. You know, as, as simple as you and I may think of that, um, it was a real big challenge for a lot of kids and especially kids that have been called losers their whole lives. And, and, you know, some of them had been in trouble with the law and some of them had parents that were not present. In fact, some of the students were a lot like the parents and, you know, they were kind of ushering their own life instead of being guided by a parent. So, you know, that, that transition was actually quite natural. And um, Nanette would always say, oh, I, I couldn't go there, <laughs> which I always thought was kind of funny. Um, but, I, but I think it's, you know, it has to do with our Dharma position. It has to do with uh, what we resonate with. It has to do with all of our own causes and conditions that, um, that bring us to wherever we are. And, you know, a lot of my talk is just the chronology of practice uh, for me. And um, as you mentioned, Patrick, you know, 
there were some pivotal times for me and, and part of it, and I want to acknowledge you um, for ushering it, me into that practice of cooking for the shelters. You know, the, the River Street shelter was quite a large shelter and still is. And the Homeless Garden Project actually um, did some great work and, and continues to do great work. And um, I actually miss that. But now I'm, um, I'm working with three shelters. Uh, one is quite large. Um, it's called Pete's Place. And before the pandemic, um, I was lead cook and it was all Sangha members that would show up. And we would fill the kitchen with maybe six Sangha members and myself. And we'd knock out a meal for a hundred plus people um, in a couple of hours. And it was, it was a real joy, you know, it was just, um, it was just such a good feeling to feel like you were participating. Not that you were really doing anything special. You were just providing food. And, um, and I remember it dispelled some uh, ideas that I had about homeless people. You know, I, I was like a lot of people in that I had my judgments that um, homeless people mostly caused their own problems, that there was a lot of alcoholism and drug abuse in, in the homeless population. And, you know, um, when we would cook, Patrick, we would always sit down and eat with the clients at the garden and um, getting to know some of those clients and getting to hear their story, oh my gosh, it just turned me around completely with regard to, you know, all my judgments and my assumptions and um, my projections. And so it, it didn't take long at all after sitting with people and talking and eating together um, that I had a whole different idea about homelessness. Um, even some that choose to be homeless and have none of those problems that would create or could create homelessness. So, you know, that, that shift of view is a lot of what we do in practice. Our view is caused by our experience sometimes and by our judgments and by our assumptions and by um, sometimes who knows what. But we have all of these judgments and, and um, so we project them on people, unfortunately. And um, until we wake up a little bit, we, we perpetuate those myths and, and assumptions. And um, we get really far from the truth. And so um, I'm super grateful that I had that experience with you. And we cooked together for, I think, a little over seven years. Um, and it was almost every Friday. It was, it was great, you know. And um, other Sangha members joining in sometimes and Oi, you know, joining in. and, and so much that I learned from him about Asian cooking. 
and and even going to the Asian market with him in San Jose, you know, just all of it. It was just just super um, developing me, developing my practice and developing um, a better understanding of our Dharma position, of kind of who we are and where we stand and what we stand for. So um, moving to Santa Fe for me was really difficult. I, I grew up around the ocean. I surfed as a teenager in through my twenties and thirties. And you know, the last time I surfed was maybe five or six years ago. So I really miss the ocean so much. Um, but it goes back to paying attention to our causes and conditions and what, you know, where our path leads us. And um, because of that, it's helped me to look differently at the move. And instead of lamenting, um, loving the world as it is, right here in front of my face, there's all this beauty, there's all this practice. Um, I, I have a whole new Sangha that, that consists primarily of um, Upaya residents and teachers. And I love that last week, Sarah said something about how wonderful it was to sit in person in the Zendo. And Sarah, I've got to tell you, for the last you know seven years that we've been here, all through the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera, I sit every day at Upaya. And you saying that woke me up to be so much more grateful, you know, for this um, privilege, truly a privilege to be connected with Upaya, to be um, an elder in the community, and now an elder in, in kind of a different frame. Um, but you know how we we have this tendency to take things for granted and to not really always pay attention to everything. And even though I have deep and great gratitude, um, you know, I wasn't thinking a whole lot about it after doing it for years and especially through the pandemic. I always felt like, oh my gosh, what a great place to be in a pandemic. You just kind of lock yourself in the monastery and everything's okay. Nobody goes anywhere. And so it's really safe. And so, um, you know, for the past few years, um, well, first we had former residents coming and delivering food to our house. Um, and then as time evolved, uh, we started getting out and shopping ourselves and, and always wearing a mask. And the mask um, is still utilized. To this day, and even though you go around Santa Fe now, and hardly anybody wears a mask, 
The only people you see in a mask are elders, usually, or um, extremely conscientious uh, younger parents sometimes with their kids. But, um, you know, the, the evolution of the pandemic has got everybody relaxed now. And because of Upaya, I have to hold a very strict regimen, you know? So we, we stay with the program because we're there every day. And as you may or may not know, Nanette is, um, she turned 74 today. And um, she is resident director at Upaya and has been um, on and off for the last several years right after she completed a two-year chaplaincy program there. When we first got here, she engaged right away with the chaplains and um, Roshi Joan and um, Alan Sanaki and a couple of other uh, teachers. Um, but then right after she completed chaplaincy, she became a chaplaincy mentor for several um, cohorts after hers and it was only recently that she she finally stopped taking on more mentees because of her job uh, at Upaya is full-time and so you know for a 74 year old uh, working with the various problems and issues that come up with residents at Upaya um, and giving Dharma talks um, frequently leading practice periods. Um, she's a pretty busy gal and, and she has to actually uh, stop herself from her habitual way of volunteering for whatever comes up that nobody's already covering. Fortunately, I don't have that problem. Um, I also am not the intellectual that she is. Um, but I find in my practice, I do a lot of calligraphy. I do a lot of painting. I paint almost every day. Every time a new resident shows up, I give them a hand-painted bookmark. They're usually dragons or monks or, uh, oh, I was doing sunflowers for a while. That was good. So um, my practice has just um, evolved in the most lovely way for me. Um, and it's mostly, you know, there, there were two main things that when we first came to Zen, I think it was, um, you'll appreciate this, Patrick. I think it was in the mid eighties when our youngest son was born, he was born in 85. It was just before he was born. We started going to Tassajara and we went again and again and again, and we went as guests and then we went as guest practice. Um, where we could work in the kitchen or work on the grounds and be more part of the community. Because of our large family and our teaching career and me doing farmer's markets in the summer for Molino Creek Farm, um, we never really had the opportunity or the time to do a practice period at Tassajara, which um, I know Nanette has always regretted that. She's always... Um, thought that that would have been the next appropriate step. But 
you know, it was years after that that we found Santa Cruz Zen Center. And I don't know why it took so long to find, but it did. And when I retired from teaching in 06, we had already been going to the Zen Center for I think a, a, a couple of years. And so by 2008, I received the precepts from Sobun Catherine Thanis, and I was so immersed. And I was, you know, I had no aspirations, but the evolution just keeps happening. And as we all know at Zen centers, when you show up, you usually get a job. And that's why, um, you know, that's why after a while I became um, work leader and would do, you know, the occasional work in, working weekends at Santa Cruz Zen Center and, um, and lead the happy parade of Sangha members into working on the garden and cleaning the Zendo deeply and, you know, all the work that is entailed. Um, that would have, uh, that started really getting me to settle into Zen. And um, there were always study groups, of course. I don't know how many Dogen study groups we did, but there were a lot. Um, and they were really enjoyable. Um, there were other study groups and um, a myriad of different people that would involve themselves. And I remember that um, after retiring from teaching, the Sangha became my community. It, you know, it just was a natural thing. Now, um, I received the precepts from Catherine in 2008. And, um, I felt it was a real challenge to sew a rock suit because I hadn't sewn a button onto a pair of a shirt or anything prior to that. And so um, it took me quite a while to um, immerse myself in that practice. And what it took was uh, Nanette and I went to Green Gulch Farm for a week-long sewing practice with Blanche Hartman. And um, I saw a woman sew her entire rockasoo in a week. And it just about slayed me because here I was struggling away, being a non-sewer and um, and yet, I found after a while, it became um, a lot like sitting at the drawing table for me and painting. It became a meditation. It became a process that became practice. And I found myself um, calming down, you know, and just doing what was in front of me. And I thought that that was so much of Catherine's teaching was showing up and, you know, and facing what was right in front of you. 
And um, so it was, it was a good lesson for me. And it was a good discipline to just stay with it. And even though it took a lot longer than a week, um, I completed that Rakasu. And then um, later on, you know, without my knowledge at that time, I would be sewing an Okesa, which was, you know, I think probably thousands of stitches. Um, and instead of rejecting the idea or turning away, again, it just became a process of practice that the concentration of namukie butsu, every stitch, every stitch, and um, dropping thinking about it, just dropping the story, you know? It's no longer, oh, I'm not good at sewing, I'm just sewing, period. So, you know, this, this evolution with novice priest for five years, um, I think matured me in some ways that has nothing to do with age. And I have to, I have to mention that currently everything I do is tied to age somehow. All my activities, age comes up, you know? And I find that the best way for me to relax with that is in the Zendo, just holding my position. I'm an elder in the Zendo, period. Nothing extra, it just is, you know? And so um, with the time passing uh, in priest practice for me, It's been no different than the rest of the path. It's been about trying to see my path better, trying to hold what I perceive as my Dharma position. You know, that whether that means jumping into the kitchen at Upaya and washing dishes, um, whether they're shorthanded or not. Um, I, I rarely now cook for the shelters. I do the deliveries, I do the grocery shopping. Um, so my role has changed there and yet it's still my Dharma position. That really hasn't changed. Um, my place in the Sangha is my place in the Sangha, you know, and even though even to today, I think we had um, two visitors in the Zendo this morning, besides the residents. So it's, and, and the visitors have to wear masks still. And so, um, let me get rid of this call. My last.
of technology is showing. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I see my evolution and I, and I see that I keep going back to some of those very, very first um, phrases that were given to me. Oh, all you have to do is show up, just show up, right? We know that one so well. We all know that one so well. If you do Zazen in the morning, you know about showing up and you know that you don't show up late. In Zen, you're always early. Uh, at Upaya, I'm usually in my seat when the Han starts. So I know about being on time, it's being early. And so practice just continues. And it's so interesting to me because, you know, back in January when I turned 76, I thought, oh my gosh, am I really 76? This is frightening, you know? And so I avoid looking in the mirror. That's helpful. Um, and I just do as much as I can do. But these old phrases keep coming back. Just show up. Just show up. Practice is everything and everything is practice. And so over the years, this has taken on new meaning for me. That, you know, Dogen talks about continuous practice. And, um, and right or wrong, I have this tendency to equate. Everything is practice. That means continuous practice. And so um, I've been rereading Dogen for this reason, that this has come up and, and you know, what's our job? Let's, let's look at this thoroughly, you know? Dogen would always say, um, study this thoroughly. Um, so that's what happens. We, you know, we have these ideas or we have these thoughts around these, you know, particular ideas and phrases. And so we have to either take it to the cushion or get in the book and really investigate. What does it mean? Um, and in time, you know, it starts becoming clear. And I think with the clarity, we have less attachment to it. It, it kind of frees us up in a way. Um, so it's like not questioning anymore. It's like accepting what is. And I have to tell you, um, our second adopted son, the troublemaker, um, I'm only saying that because he spent seven years in prison. He would always say to me, it is what it is. And it drove me bonkers until I settled down and, and really realized it's an absolute truism continually, right? Whatever's happening is what is happening. 
Um, you might be able to explain it, you might not be able to explain it, but it is what it is. And so after resenting that for a couple of years, and, and you know, and being kind of triggered by the phrase, again, I studied it thoroughly. I realized that, oh, my little Dharma son knows what he's talking about in one little phrase. He's blown it in a lot of ways, but he's hit a truism that's right on the money. And so accepting that, and you know, it, it is a parallel with Catherine loving the world as it is. It's a parallel. And so when I open my eyes a little wider and allow a little more in, you know, I can connect the dots. I can see the teaching. And even though it came from a knucklehead, I see the teaching and I accept it um, wholeheartedly. So, you know, our, our path has been a really interesting one. Um, I could have never imagined ending up at a Zen center that was this large or that had so much outreach, um, not only all over the country, but all over the world. And so I'm, you know, I'm getting these opportunities. Um, as I said, Nanette was uh, deeply immersed with the chaplaincy program and still is. Um, and my part, ironically, with the chaplains is I teach them to do lineage, lineage charts. An ancestry from the Buddha, a direct bloodline to the present time. So I, I, every time there's a chaplaincy cohort that comes through, I, it's my pleasure to um, help them lay out this uh, extensive lineage chart that they copy with a template. And then they hand fill in all the names of all the ancestors from India to China, to Japan, to the West. And, and then they do a matriarch's chart, which naturally, um, if you've studied women in Zen, or even women in Buddhism, um, it has a lot of holes in it, and it's not a complete bloodline like the patriarchs. And yet, there were a lot of women ancestors that we know about, and myriad of stories that are just fascinating and wonderful. And then thirdly, the chaplains do a, um, a personal chart. And the personal chart is about their spiritual progress in their life and who, who influenced them, what teachings affected them. Um, you know, lots of people, including our group here, I'm sure, lots of people have had several different teachers. And if they haven't had several teachers, they've been exposed to several teachers, you know. Norman Fisher was never my teacher, but I did a week long with Dogen at Tassajara with him. So he is my teacher, you know. Um, his wife, Kathy, comes out to Upaya every year. 
and does uh, a practice period. So we are surrounded by teachers. And it's not difficult to acknowledge if I look back um, in my personal history, my students were my teachers. And again, there were a bunch of knuckleheads, but boy, they taught you a lot. And if you really absorbed their teaching, hopefully you became a kinder person. You became a more compassionate person. Um, and I think with time, most of us became a little more skilled at not only how we relate to people, but how we relate to the world. And even how we relate to this one, you know, doing our best to drop this south, a lot of work. And so, you know, again, and I, I reflect on this so, so very much. And I think, again, relating to my age, um, I reflect on causes and conditions again and again and again. You know, Nanette and I were both so happy with our career as teachers. We both taught in different alternative schools. And, um, and actually, Nanette taught in the same classroom with Jean for years. And so, you know, we have this interesting connection, uh, both with our career and with the Zen Center and with the teachings. And so, you know, aside from a tremendous amount of gratitude, I find myself just reflecting almost continuously of my personal causes and conditions, um, how that's affected our families. Um, what our choices have been in this path and how that has just unfolded in such a natural way that, um, you know, recently receiving transmission was like this um, magical thing. I never aspired to be a priest. And now I've been a priest in two different religions. And so it's, um, again, it's, it's in a way very odd to me. And at the same time, it is completely natural. It is completely putting one foot in front of the other. It's doing the next thing. It's showing up again and again and again. And that's never been difficult. It's never been a challenge. Maybe my biggest challenges were Sashin and still are. Usually in the middle of Sashin, I go a little wacko. And um, sometimes I get angry. Um, and for those of you who know me well, might find that hard to visualize, you know? But as you also know, Sashin brings up your stuff. And so, you know, this has been kind of a, 
a regular part of my process is to watch this one go through whatever it is that I go through. The judge, the self judgments, the um, anger sometimes, um, lots of delusion going on here, lots. And somehow I always come out of it on the other end, settle back into session and finish. And it's always, it always feels like a blessing in the end. You know, it always feels like, oh, that was challenging, but I'm glad I did it, you know? And again, um, it's part of our personal evolution. The more we sit, usually the deeper we get. And it's, um, it's a great opportunity. Studying the self, forgetting the self. We all know it, you know? We know it clearly. And yet, we go round and round and round. Um, dealing with our mind, you know? I, I feel grateful that I'm not usually dealing with my body but it's, it's all right here. You know, that's, that's where my kleshas are. That's where I have to work. And that's where I have to let go. So I'm, I'm really grateful um, that we still are fully immersed in this practice. And even though I, you know, I feel like I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just showing up, you know, and I think this is, this is the side of me, the non-intellectual side that um, wants to simplify everything, wants to just say, this is just showing up. There's nothing more to it, really. And what we glean from showing up is Sangha. And what we glean from showing up is getting a glimpse of our Buddha nature, you know? Dropping the all, it's all about me, which is man, is a huge American trait that I wish more people would try to get away from. But practice um, really, really helps with that one, I think. You know, and I, and I think working with Patrick initially cooking started paving that avenue. You know, it started paving that way to say, we're just cooking, man. We're just showing up and we're just cooking. We'll take it over and deliver it. We'll sit down and eat. It's simple. It's service. That's all it is, you know. And that's pretty much what life should look like, one of service. And so even though, you know, I, I didn't project or anticipate, you know, going through this priesthood, it's just bow and serve, 
period. There's nothing extra, really. And so in my maturation with practice, it doesn't get more elaborate. It keeps getting simpler. There's so much stuff we can drop. Our lives are full of stuff, you know? And so much of it is worthless. And so, you know, this, um, this simplification makes sense to me. I don't always think of myself as a simple person. And yet there's this simple approach to practice and to life that really is pretty simple, not elaborate, not striving, not trying to be something special, but just showing up. My goodness, isn't that simple? And yet for so many people, they just don't show up for their life at all. You know, aside from practice, aside from showing up in the Zendo, a lot of people just find it difficult to show up for their life, period. And, you know, the more I see that, the more clearly I see suffering in the world, the more clearly um, practice is beneficial, that instead of um, holding judgments about the way things are, trying to love the world the way it is, you know? Trying to love people without even knowing them, without judging them, you know, without labeling. Um, you know, I always thought I was an easygoing guy before I ever got to practice. And now I have a whole another view of that. And um, I am a much more settled person because of practice, because of the influence of my seniors in practice, because of the teachings of myriad teachers, um, some obviously not even labeled as teachers, but some wonderful and great teachers uh, through San Francisco Zen Center, now through Upaya, um, the teachings are phenomenal. Uh, we're still involved with study groups. Um, I'll be doing some teaching with the precepts with the chaplains coming up soon. Um, but honestly, the the simplicity of practice is what I really feel I resonate with. You know, there's this um, repetitious behavior of sitting, right? If it's a daily practice, it's this repetition that is just so good to just sit down and shut up, you know? And for me, that's a biggie. I could talk, 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 you know? And yet 
sitting down and enjoying the quiet, you know, the rain on the roof, the garden swaying in the wind outside the zendo, you know, seeing it through the glass. My hearing is so bad, I could never hear the birds chirping. Even though Catherine Thanos gave both Jeff Sherman and I brand new hearing aids after she passed, we received these hearing aids. And it just about blew me away because Jeffrey used to always lean forward in the Dharma talk, right? Cup his ear. And I always thought, that Jeff boy, his hearing is way worse than mine. So after Catherine passed and we received these hearing aids, we went to the audiologist together. And um, the audiologist checked out the hearing aids and said, they're, be they're beautiful, they're in perfect condition, they're very clean. Um, you know, and then he measured our hearing and side by side, these two screens with Jeffrey's hearing and my hearing, and they were almost identical. So I still struggle with hearing. Um, in fact, I go this Friday to Costco to get new hearing aids once again, because technology keeps moving on. And Nanette finally just got a pair of hearing aids uh, from Costco. So it's improved her hearing greatly. And so I'm thinking it's gonna do the same for me. <laughs> 